you find your place? Ephesians chapter number 2. And just one verse tonight, and but it's a good one, amen. So if you would, stand when you find your place. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2. And our verse is verse number 7. Verse number 7. And uh, it is a great verse, great verse. And so let's find that there. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 7. And let's read that together in unison. Ready? Let's begin. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Father, please bless your word to our hearts now. Thank you so much for it. May it conform us into the image of Christ, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. And I know it's been a couple Wednesdays. Uh, since we uh, did Ephesians here, but in the last lesson we had, we reviewed the Believer BG Part 2. Now you remember the Believer BC is before Christ, and that's verses 1 through 3, but the Believer BG is but God, amen? And uh, aren't you glad for the but God in your life, amen? I'll tell you what, I sure am. When I think of my life before Christ and I think of my life but God, uh, it is such a change, amen? And so we looked at that despite, and that's part two, uh, despite man's sin, sinfulness, and sinful nature in verses one through three, we see in verses four through six, four things. We looked at God's gracious condescension. Though we were sinners and, and though we're deserving of wrath, but God. Hmm? But God, who is rich in mercy. And he, he condescended to us. He, he reached down to where we were. And I know the song, it says, When I could not come to where he was, he came to me. Amen. And uh, thank God for his condescension. <clears throat> Second bullet point there is not only his condescension, but his great compassion. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Was it just love? Nope. Was it so love? Yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. But it was his great love. Uh, and as I've said many times, the Holy Spirit doesn't put words in the Bible just for filler. He was trying to get us to understand how great God's love is for us. So his uh, gracious condescension, his grand compassion, uh, five, <clears throat> next one there, uh, verse five rather, his great conquering, his great conquering. In chapter 2, verse 5, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. What is the greatest conquering of all? Death. Conquering death, amen. And that's what Jesus did. We're getting ready to celebrate that here in just a few weeks, amen. <clears throat> we call it Resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday. When up from the grave he arose, amen. That's it. Hey, I don't know about you. Listen, are we awake tonight? Do we, do we need some stimulating here? We're talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, amen, and how he conquered death, and he, for you and I, conquered death. You know, when you and I close our eyes, death is already conquered. 
like the old story about uh, the, the boy who was afraid of the bumblebee, the big old bumblebee, and his daddy uh, took the bumblebee, grabbed it out of the air, and he pulled out the stinger, and that big old fat bumblebee just flying away, and the boy was like this. He said, oh, don't worry, son. It doesn't have a stinger. Hey, you know what? Death for the Christian doesn't have a stinger. It do- oh, oh, death, where is thy sting? Amen. Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Thanks be unto God through Je- through, that gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. So his great conquering. And then, boy, verse 6. Oh, what a preaching verse. Uh, verse number 6 is his glorious coronation. And that is this. He hath raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. So now we come to one of the most glorious verses in the entire Word of God. Chapter 2, verse 7. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Okay? So it continues on the theme of God's gracious love. God's gracious love for us. However, not in the past and not even in the present, but in the future, in heaven. Okay? So we have uh, three points tonight and a couple subpoints and a quotation here. The first thing we see, uh, number one, is God's unending grace. God's unending grace. Verse number seven there, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his what? Grace. His grace. So number one, the endlessness. And it says right there that in the ages to come. Isn't that amazing to think of the the ages to come. Now, uh, those of us that, that think of the ages, and, and we mentioned Brother Fred being 92, and I know some of you are north of 80 or, or close to there. And, you know, in eternity, 80 years or 90 years, it's just, a, it's just a, like one grain of sand on an entire beach. You think of God's, and we have here just a note, as the ages roll on, so will God's grace toward us. Think about that. Think about that, amen. As the ages roll on, so will God's grace toward us. So uh, not only is there the endlessness, but number two, there's the experience. And I love this. It says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus He will show his kindness toward us for all eternity. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you've ever read uh, the the C.S. Lewis books, the the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I don't know if you ever read those. And I can never remember the name of the character who falls. It always escapes me. But there's... Uh, those of you that may know that story, two brothers, two sisters, and they go into a wardrobe and they kind of go into this uh, uh, different world. And it's all an allegory. It's all an allegory. C.S. Lewis wrote so beautifully 
uh, about Christianity. And, and the lion, of course, is Aslan, representing the lion of the tribe of Judah, who we know, Jesus Christ, amen. And uh, he sacrifices himself uh, for the others. But there, there's a terrible, um, uh, one of the characters, one of the young men uh, falls prey to the witch. And he takes the bait. And she has him pray. And it takes Aslan's sacrifice to release him. And, uh, of course, obviously, he comes back from the dead, part of the whole allegory. Such a beautiful story. But uh, at the end, you see that young man in the book, and he's reigning on a throne. He's reigning over a kingdom. When Miss Robin, he had no right to reign. Can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? We will reign with him, though we have no right to. You know why? Because of his kindness. You think of if God only saved us from hell, that would be enough. But he does so much more. And for all of time, in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us. So the endlessness, the experience, I love this, the excess. You know, we, we're, we're Christians. We believe in moderation, amen? At least uh, uh, some of us do at the dinner table. Come on now. I've seen you reach for that third piece of pie. God bless you, amen? And I have too, Amen. But we're, we're, not, we're not people that are given to excess. We're supposed to live moderately. You know, in heaven, there's going to be excess. It says right there. You know, the word exceeding comes from the word excess. Too much is what it means. The exceeding riches of his grace. Thank God for the excess of grace. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, here, it's abundant. It's enough, amen. Praise God. There, it's just going to be excessive grace. Praise God. So, uh, God's unending grace. Secondly, and I love this. This is so, uh, this is a neat outline. Uh, number two, God's unexplored glory. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us. Okay, this passage, and this is something we were mentioning before, but <clears throat> this passage is one of several that banishes fear and builds faith in the believer concerning death and what awaits us after death. Okay, again, let me read that. This passage is one of several that banishes fear and builds faith in the believer concerning death and what awaits us after death. You say, what, what do you mean, Pastor? What, well, what's another passage that does that for us? Uh, well, I think of uh, 2 Corinthians 5.8. To be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord, present with the Lord. You know what that means? Listen, Brother Case, though you're a wicked sinner and so am I, we will not be in hell. Why? Because we will be present with the Lord. Why? 
because we have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Wherever he is, we are. He's going to be in heaven. That's where we're going to be. Amen. And so this passage is comforting. It says this, that God's desire toward you and I as his children and his believers is that through all the ages to come, that he would show us the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I'll tell you what, that would give you goosebumps. Not, not goosebumps, glory bumps, amen. Hallelujah. On top of your goosebumps. Ought to think about that. God's unending grace. Hey, and I have this last note there on, on God's unexplored glory. You think about what do you mean God's unexplored glory? I hath not seen, nor, nor ear heard. Neither have it entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. Truly, the best is yet to come on that last line there. One of my favorite miracles of Christ is when he turned the water into wine. Because I love explaining it to liberals that want to convince me that it's alcoholic wine, because it's not. Not even close. But one of the things that, they, that you find out in there is that they would dilute the wine. They, they would put water they would take water and dilute the wine. And what Jesus did when he turned the water into wine is he made it just pure wine straight through and through. And remember, the governor tasted it and he said, well, most men, you know, have the, just they dilute it. And, but thou hast saved the good wine until now. I'm here to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus, if you will study the scriptures, the devil always gives you his best first with a hook. Doesn't he? Doesn't he? But Jesus always saves the best for last. <laughs> I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen. On the other side, when we close our eyes or when that rapture takes place, the best is yet to come. Hallelujah. Amen. God's unexplored glory. God's unending grace. And then lastly, all. Huh. End of verse 7. The exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through who? Yep, Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. God's unspeakable gift. God's unspeakable gift. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Great quote here. Great writer, John Phillips. I recommend his books if you, those of you that enjoy reading and studying a particular book of the Bible, uh, Brother Phillips really does a masterful job. He said this, <clears throat> man's sin gave God the opportunity to, to display a side of his character that otherwise might have never been fully revealed. In his work of creation, he displayed his wisdom and power, amen? On the stage of redemption, God demonstrated not just his grace, not just the riches of his grace, but the exceeding riches of his grace. I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, 
I hope it makes you love God a lot more. Think about it. I, the title tonight is the, the Things Which God Hath Prepared. And I know you know that verse out of 1 Corinthians 2.9. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. To God be the glory. Amen. Father, we love you. Thank you.